this is Paul Mackey, and this is another fragment that I've made for the Dog Days of Advent. While I've mulled this one over a few times in my head, this is the first time I've actually tried writing it. The story involves lots of common tropes, and I'm still not sure if I've got what it takes to fully realize it well. However, I do have a few tricks up my sleeve that I believe will make it different. Other Things, A Fragment, by Paul Mackey. The Other Side. Gareth shivered and regarded his friends dumbly. They all shared his bewildered expression, aside from Steve, who was already beginning to revert to his standard gruff demeanor. They were all clad in plain, gray, rough fabric tunics, and Brennan in particular looked most uncomfortable. The room was, in a general way, still Gareth's attic study, but it was barren of furnishings aside from a stout set of wardrobe cabinets along the back wall. Gareth shivered again. He had originally thought it might have been a symptom of shock, but he was quickly realizing it was cold. Literally. The July hot stuffiness was replaced with a touch of December. Jeremy crossed to the window and looked out toward the lake, a word beginning to form at his lips, but instead his mouth just opened silently. Okay, what kind of drugged-out shit is this? Steve sounded more or less himself at this point, though possibly a bit more irate than usual. Brennan crossed to join Jeremy and stopped, staring at the window as well. Gareth rose from the floor and regarded the duo at the window, then turned to Steve. No drugs. I think the word you're looking for is ma- You sig magic and I'm kicking your ass. Steve folded his arms and stared a challenge at Gareth, who shrugged and turned toward the window. Jeremy and Brennan could have been statuary. They were stock still and rather pale. Gareth moved to Brennan's side, and she moved a bit so he could get the full view, and then Gareth saw it. A full winter scene lay outside the glass, which was rimmed with frosty tracery. Great clouds of purple-gray smoke rose from every chimney, but what first caught the eye was the traffic. The street had upon its snowy surface a full set of tracks, wires, and a passing streetcar. Otherwise, almost everyone was on foot, A couple commercial motorized trucks that looked like antiques drove back and forth. One was a plumber, another apparently delivering issues of the Duluth Herald. In the distance lay the lake, iced over as far as the eye could see. The sweep of the shore appeared to be vacant of structures, no hotels, scenic walkways. There was a strange metal arcing structure that looked like a bridge to nowhere. Speaking of bridges, the iconic lift bridge looked strange and squat, too short and without its lifting segment. Steve crossed and joined the other three, but before any of them could say anything more, the door at the bottom of the stairs opened, and a young woman of about twenty entered and climbed to meet them. "'You're here. Anthony said you'd be arriving, but I hardly believed it. I thought I'd never in my life encounter an actual new set of the four, but here you are, all new and... Dear me, it's freezing up here. Let's get you clothed a bit more, and you can come down by the fire. She crossed to the farthest wardrobe and pulled out four robes, handing one to each of them. She paused when her eyes met Brennan's, looking momentarily startled, but saying nothing. Steve looked the woman down appraisingly. She was dressed in an extremely modest white dress with high neck and sleeves, but he liked her general shape. She noticed his stare and blushed, turning away and saying, Anthony is down at the fire, waiting for you. I'll get some hot tea. She turned and descended the stairs. Brennan slapped Steve on the arm. Way to make her think you're a massive perv, Steve. Uh, but I am a massive perv. 
Downstairs, Gareth once again marveled at the same but different room. The fireplace he'd known all his life was there, though with redder brick, not quite as soot-stained as he was accustomed to, and instead of glass doors stood a metal screen. The furnishings were all different. A tall, thin man rose from a wing-back chair, smiling broadly, and gestured to the four teens to sit on a large settee. "'Welcome, new friends.' Gareth couldn't tell how old the man was exactly. He had white hair and a beard, but a great deal of excited energy. I am Anthony, and you've met Heidi, of course. The four friends sat, still looking a bit more shocked than comfortable in the bulky robes. The room was warmer than the drafty upstairs, and the fire cracked merrily in the hearth. The woman, Heidi, entered the room with a teapot, and she poured some in each of the cups placed on the tables near the youths, who all picked them up and took a few tentative sips. It was black tea with an added aroma of spices, clove, and other flavors diff difficult to identify. You are all no doubt wondering about the changes you see all around and about you, and while I'm sure you'll find some level of familiarity, let me assure you you are no longer in the world from which you came. Gareth took another sip. You say world, but I imagine what you mean is universe, no? Gareth blinked, a mild look of concern on his face. Jeremy nodded. Or possibly dimension? No, no, dimension's not relative unless you're Buckaroo Banzai or something, but... But under the many worlds interpretation of quantum... Anthony interrupted. Yes, you're in a different universe. The four of them sipped their tea with furrowed brows, but said nothing. The medallions you have on chains around your necks have worked in tandem with their uniting box to magic... If you say magic, I'll kick your ass. Steve spoke in a rather flat, even tone, and took another sip of tea. The old man continued, You have been magically transported across the nothingness between worlds and brought here as fighters to aid us in a time of need. His gaze met each of theirs in turn, then stopped at Brennan, slightly startled. Why, but you're a girl. Brennan took a sip. Young woman, thank you very much. Well, yeah, usually it's for fighters, but I'm not sure I appreciate the sexist attitude, along with the assumption that we're here to fight anyone. I'm out of here. She took another sip. Steve nodded. Me too. The clock on the mantel ticked. I'll now explain to you what your roles are, though I'm not sure about the girl exactly. Anthony scratched at his beard and took a breath. Brennan turned to Jeremy. I'm leaving. Are you with me? Sure, babe. But I can't move. Steve cocked his head. Me either. I'm ready to get out of here. Gareth set down his cup and looked at Heidi, who was at the door, wringing her hands, then back to Anthony. Seems like the transporting isn't the only magic that's happened today so far, hey? Well, no, the old man admitted, shaking his head. There's a long tradition regarding the four, you see, built on a long history of experience. It's hard to accept what's happening at first, so there's enchantment that has been worked on the tea presented at the welcoming speeches. It's generally harmless, but it makes it temporarily impossible for you to fight us or leave before we can explain who you are to become. I'm sorry, but it is necessary, as I'm sure you'll see. Jeremy, I can't believe you're not getting up and leaving with me. Well, look, don't panic. I'm not panicking. You're panicking. Gareth placed a hand carefully on Brennan's shoulder. I think they've got us for now, so we should probably just listen. I would say that you're using a condescending tone, but our tones all seem to be about the same just now. The old man clapped his hands once, loudly, and everyone looked at him. Gentlemen, uh, and lady, I am happy to declare that you are 
The Four. Jeremy leaned over to Brennan. That name seem a little lame to you? You've been listening to Other Things, a fragment by Paul Mackey. Music is Chronodermis by Nanochrist and is used by permission. So, like I said, I've never written this part before, but the concept of the pacifying tea was in the mix from the very beginning. Those of you who are Buffy fans may see an element of older and far away in there, and I think that's inevitable being so close in concept in some ways. I'll go with homage, and thank you for doing the same. I'm not going to name all the fantasy tropes, but hopefully making the characters smart enough to call out some of them makes it a little more interesting. Uh, I should go for now. Uh, I still have a last episode to write and a few others to record. So it's best if I keep going if I want to meet any of my self-imposed goals that are left. So I'll just say happy hunting! You've been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts On podcast produced by Paul Mackey in association with Nimlas Studios. Any short clips of audio from shows is included under fair use for commentary purposes and copyright for that content remains with its original copyright holders. The theme song is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by his generous permission. One Idget's Thoughts is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. You can find more episodes of this podcast and many other fine podcasts at nimlas.org. You can contact me by emailing idgetcastpodcast at gmail.com or commenting on episodes at nimlas.org. <laughs>